0: Welcome to the Boys Education Series, a resource designed for parents and educators who are raising, teaching, and inspiring boys. Parents have always aimed to do what is best for their children, yet unfortunately, today's parents are being bombarded with pressures to do more than ever for their children. In this episode, we will hear from Bruce Wilhelm, Assistant Headmaster at University School, as he helps bring some sanity back into parenting. This is The Case for Raising Your First Child Like Your Third.
1: I'm the father of three boys, and around the time my youngest was five, an interesting thought began to develop. My wife Tracy and I had started to notice that we were raising our third child very differently than our other two, ages 12 and 14 at the time. We were much more relaxed in bringing up our third, as much of the intensity, fear, and questioning was gone. Honestly, and our third son has pointed this out to us on numerous occasions, we also didn't take as many pictures of him. And those calendars or memory books where we had religiously marked the first smile or the first step or the first full sentence spoken for the first two boys— was either empty or non-existent. We didn't love him any less than his brothers, but we didn't feel that same pressure to do some of those features. We had license not to worry about them. After talking it over with friends in the same stage of life, I began to create notes for what someday will become a book. The hope was that I could, in some small way, help parents to realize that they didn't have to be perfect. That there was no panacea for all that comes at you during these years, and that mostly parenting was meant to be joyful and fun. I also knew that children would most likely benefit from a little less intervention from the adults in their lives. If parents could raise their first child with some of the lessons many of us had learned by going through it already, maybe this would make for a less stressful existence for parents and their children. For example, and this may resonate with parents with more than one child, issues arose around the magical pacifier. When child number one would drop his pacifier on the ground when he was little, we would often have brought another with us to pop into his mouth just in case this happened. It absolutely needed to be sterile. We would then take the one that had been dirtied and have it sit in boiling water before we could rightfully give it back to our son. When the same situation occurred with our second child, We might have sterilized it, but with our third, we simply wiped the pacifier on our pants and stuck her back in. I don't remember there being any increase in sickness as a result. The intensity and fear dissipated the more we became experienced at this important calling. I want to stress the things that one should be focused on, such as the importance of play with your child, the power of family routines and traditions, We still celebrate baseball's opening day with hot dogs, pretzels, and Cracker Jacks, and a recognition that each child is unique and different. Here are four things to consider. Love your child, but don't be in love with your child. This seems like a subtle difference, but it isn't. If the mood of your day depends entirely on your children, they will sense this and feel smothered. They actually might take advantage of this for their own benefit. It's important to show them you love them, but that you also have your own interesting things going on in your life. Don't make it all about them. Secondly, model that being an adult can and should be fun. You want your children to look forward to ultimately becoming an adult. You don't want them thinking adults are only stressed out and focused on their children. I'm baffled when I hear parents of college-age students share that they know their child has a big test that day. That does not seem healthy to me for any party. Thirdly, how much did your mom know about what you were doing in fifth grade at school? I've asked dozens of parents over the years this question. The answer has typically been nothing. I then follow up by asking, was that a good thing or a bad thing? 100% of adults say that it was a good, or more often, a great thing. So why has this changed so drastically? Why do we need to know everything that's going on all the time? And lastly, and most importantly, what you do and how you do it is the single most important lesson. Words are just words to children if the action does not follow the words. This is especially true of fairness-based teenagers. We've all known this since we were very young, yet many adults have forgotten how important it is to do what you say. I'll never forget when my father refused to get a children's movie ticket for my really small brother when he was just a couple of months too old to qualify for it. While we were in line for the tickets, my older brother said, Dad, they will never know, and you can save a couple of bucks. Dad said very firmly, no, it's just not the right thing to do. A few years ago, I ran a faculty meeting centered on birth order. I separated the group of roughly 80 teachers into four groups firstborn, lastborn, middle children, and only child. I asked them to discuss within their group what stereotypes were associated with their place in the family birth order, and then to talk about whether the typecast was at all true. They finished by sharing what it was really like. Interestingly, the oldest children seemed to mirror some of the pressures that their parents had placed on them. It was fun to hear each group share their perspectives. It was evident that these firstborn children were often type A individuals who felt lots of pressure from their parents. Their report cards really mattered. They were consistently expected to be perfect, often taking the blame and being labeled as bossy. Clearly, there is no science in this, but the middle children said that they were more relaxed, smarter because they learned from their older siblings' mistakes and often were a buffer within the family. They seem to have a very different childhood experience than the oldest children. What was your experience like? It has been nearly a decade since I began exploring this whole idea, and many would say that things have drastically changed since then. The iPhone did not exist, and social media, which seems to be the center of too many adults' and students' lives, was not wreaking havoc on the family structure and ethos. There are new, different pressures. 24-hour news cycles were not a focus, and the world was not constantly characterized as a place centered on violence and fear. In the book, The Collapse of Parenting, Dr. Leonard Sachs categorizes this culture as toxic. He suggests that we have forgotten how important it is to teach our children the importance of having respect for adults and as a result, the messages that children are getting about adulthood and parenting is neither healthy nor grounded in admiration and appreciation. He highlights that children are not born as gentlemen or ladies. They must be taught to be this way. From Sachs's book, The most popular TV shows of the 1960s through the 1980s consistently depicted the parent as a reliable and trusted guide of the child. It was true of The Andy Griffith Show in the 1960s. It was true of Family Ties in the 1980s, but it is not true today. If you reflect on some of the parent models our children see today on television and in movies, or on stories they have access to on the internet around disturbing parental behavior, you can certainly understand why this shift has occurred. Therefore, it has gotten more and more important for us to be those models of responsibility consistency, and authority. If we are not those steadfast, dependable examples, they are quick to turn to their friends for information and to images this toxic culture has engineered. Parents today are feeling a rational pressure to do everything just right. It's creating unhealthy stress and anxiety at every turn. They seem to believe that if they are not making sure their children experience every possible opportunity, then they're letting their children down and ultimately not being good parents. Please remember there are no perfect parents and there are no perfect children. That is what makes this endeavor so very interesting and fun, despite some of the headaches and challenges. And lastly, please don't forget that parenting should mostly be fun and filled with joy. There is truly nothing better than playing with your children laughing with them, and ultimately having meaningful conversations with them. Enjoy them. Celebrate them. Tell and read them stories. But also teach them self-control, hold them accountable, and make them be present with you and others, as this world is about people. And the next time that pacifier hits the ground, cut yourself some slack and just wipe it on your pants and stick her back in.
0: This has been The Case for Raising Your First Child Like Your Third by Bruce Wilhelm, Assistant Headmaster at University School. The Boys Education Series is a production of University School, an all-boys independent school for junior kindergarten to grade 12, located in wonderful Northeast Ohio. To hear more podcasts or read other articles by our amazing faculty, visit boyseducation.org. Thanks for listening.